hello and welcome to our podcast. We hope it encourages and inspires you. Please head to our website for more information on what is happening at Ashburton New Life or to get in touch. One of our team would love to talk to you. Here's today's message. Kia and hello to our online audience and I give you permission to diary that right now, that's 7pm next Saturday, you're all invited, come on out and, in, and join in with our beautiful Filipino community. Uh, I'm starting a new sermon series today called Amazing Grace, Amazing Grace and grace is the basis for our Christian faith. God's grace can be defined as undeserved or unmerited favour. Grace, the goodness of God given to people who don't deserve it. Grace cannot be earned because it is something that is freely given to us. And when grace becomes works, it is no longer grace. And there's so many people in our community that haven't heard the gospel of grace. There's so many people in the world around us that have not heard about the grace of God. How will they know if we don't tell them about God's amazing grace? But I also believe that there are people in the church who don't fully comprehend the grace of God. Living with guilt and shame, wounded, discouraged and miserable because they have messed up or because we're performance driven, thinking that we need to do more, do more, do more to get the favour of God, to get the grace of God. But it doesn't matter if we've messed up, there's grace for us. And it doesn't matter if we feel like we don't measure up. God's grace is for us. Can we all grow in our understanding of God's amazing grace over this next few weeks? Now I'm going to start off, and my title today is Characteristics of Grace. The characteristics of grace. And five is the number of grace. And uh, five is an amazing number. There are five primary types of offerings that people would give God in the Old Testament so that he would pour out his grace upon them. And the number five features a lot in the tabernacle, which was God's Old Testament dwelling place. There were five curtains, five bars, five pillars, and five sockets. And the altar was five cubits long and five cubits wide. And Moses, who wrote the first five book of the Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. So just understand that the number five symbolizes grace. And so since five symbolizes grace, I'm going to share five characteristics today about grace because I want us to understand the characteristics of grace. We, we can probably understand easier the characteristics of prayer, like prayer is praying to God, it's being still, it's meditating, it's reflecting, there's intercession and there's warfare, there's so many characteristics to prayer and we understand that but I want you to know that there is also characteristics of grace. 
And so I'm going to have five characteristics of grace. And the letter that most resembles number five is S. And so they're all going to start with S. And plus, I'm very, very good with my S's because I had a speech therapist when I was young that helped me to pronounce S's better. I always wondered why I had to say, Shelly sells seashells by the seashore. Maybe they knew that one day I was going to become a pastor and it would be very important that I could pronounce S's. But if that was true and they knew that one day I was going to be a pastor, surely they would help me be able to pronounce the word church. Because if you're going to work in a church, you want to be able to say the word church. And there's a party in my mouth every time I say that word, church. But number one, saving grace. The first characteristic of grace is saving grace. Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. The saving grace of God is a gift, and, and we can't earn it, and we can't get it by works. And I'm so pleased the gospel has come out so much already today that Jesus died our death so that we can have his life. He died and was punished for our sins so that we can be righteous before a holy God. That is the gospel of grace. And it came out in communion and it was so great. And Sarah, you did so well. And that's why we take communion to remember what Jesus did for us. To help help you understand it, I'm going to tell a bit of a story. There was once a woman who was caught speeding. She had gone from a 70k zone into a 50k zone. She hadn't realised it and a policeman was there and he caught her and he fined her $500 because it was also close to a school. Well, this woman had no way of paying the fine, so she found herself in court and before a judge. And she pleaded her case to the judge, but the judge was a just judge. She had done the crime, and so she needed to be punished for what she had done. But the judge was moved with compassion when she shared her story. So this is what the just judge did. He brought down the hammer and he fined her. But he said, just wait there a moment. And he came down out of the dock and he went out into the administration area and he paid the $500 fine for her. He got the receipt and then he went back in and he put it in her hand and he said, it's been paid in full. He then got back up into his dock and carried on with proceedings. You see, that's what Jesus has done for us. You know, the punishment we deserve for our sin, the just judge took that punishment upon himself, and now he says, paid in full. That's the gospel of grace, that God loves us so much that he would be punished in our place for our sin. I'll tell another story. There was once a young girl and uh, growing up, she knew that her father's face was badly scarred, but it never bothered her. She loved her father anyway. 
He was a kind and generous man. But as she got older and she got to, you know, 10, 11, 12 and into her early teenage years, she was embarrassed because of the scarring on her father's face. So she didn't want him to pick her up from school or go to parent interviews and she wouldn't want to bring people over to her house because she was embarrassed because of the scarring on the face of her father. And her mother, understanding this, one day sat down and talked to her daughter and she said, Daughter, I want you to know that when I see the scars on your daddy's face, they remind me that he's a hero and that he's courageous. I want you to know that one day when you were asleep in your cot and I was, had some, uh, something just cooking on the stove, I went out to your daddy who was in the workshop and I took him out a cold drink and I stayed there too long. And something on the stove boiled over and it started a fire and all of a sudden I seen smoke coming out of our house. So I screamed and I ran and I went to run inside but the heat was just too unbearable for me to go in. But your dad, he's a brave man and he ran in anyway. And he ran in to the cot and he picked you up and he put you in his coat and then he ran back out of the house again. And there was nothing to protect his face because he was protecting you and his face became badly burnt. And he did this for you. You know, he was burnt so that you could live. He was burnt so that you would not be burnt or scarred. So whenever I see those scars, I'm reminded of what a hero your dad is. You know, when Jesus went to Thomas, Thomas had already said that he wouldn't believe that Jesus had been resurrected unless he could put his finger into the holes of his hands and his fist into his side where he was pierced. And Jesus went to Thomas and he still got the scars. For all eternity, Jesus is going to bear the scars. And for all eternity, we'll be able to look at Jesus and look at those uh, nail holes in his hands, the piercing on his side, the stripes on his back, and we'll be able to remember what a hero he was and how he bore our pain to protect us and to bring us into right relationship. So our God is a hero and praise him for the scars that he has. Lisa reminded me of a, of a song this week, an old song. Only by grace can we enter, only by grace can we stand. Not by our human endeavour, but by the blood of the Lamb. Isn't that so true? And what an amazing old song that is. And when Jesus was on the cross, beside him there was a thief. And the thief said to Jesus, will you remember me? And Jesus said to the thief on the cross beside him, Today you will be in paradise with me. Well, that thief on the cross, he didn't even say the Lord's Prayer. He was never baptized in the Holy Spirit or spoken tongues. He never served the Lord Jesus and he certainly didn't give him finances. But he got eternal life because of the grace of God and because it's not by works. It's by grace. 
So number one, saving grace. Number two, sanctifying grace. And now I need to tell you what sanctifying means. It starts with S, doesn't it? But no one understands what it means. Sanctifying grace. To make holy. Make us like him. God doesn't want us to stay the same, so he graciously works away on our hearts and on our minds to change us so that we can be more like him. When I became a Christian, I was an alcoholic. I had drinking problems, and I'd like to say that when I became a Christian, I never drank again, but that was not true. But what actually happened is when I became a Christian, it's like my conscience was awakened. I sh- I, I'm sure I always had a conscience, but it was certainly more heightened and awakened when I became a Christian. And when I would be drinking, I'd have this little, shouldn't be doing this. You don't need to be doing this. And I'd drink flat out and try and wash away my conscience and it would come back again. You shouldn't be doing this. You don't need to be doing this, you know. And... Um, and amongst the crowd and the chaos and the nightclub, the, the pub, the club rooms, wherever it was, I could kind of carry on. But the next day when I would wake up and there wasn't the distractions, I would just be left with my conscience and I'd feel so bad for drinking, like I knew I shouldn't be doing it. Do you know what that is? That's the sanctifying grace at work because God doesn't want us to stay the same. He wants us to become more like him. And not only was this happening, instead of listening to David Bowie and Queen, I'm now listening to worship music and I'd feel so good listening to worship music and I was listening to teaching tapes, I was reading my, my Bible, I was, what, I was reading Derek Prince books, which is sound biblical teaching, and I was hungry for this stuff. And again, that is sanctifying grace at work in my life, because God doesn't want us to say stay the same. He wants us to become more and more and more like him. And he was drawing me unto himself, and that was him causing me to become more like him. Now, if we all became instantly like Christ when we received him, I mean, I'd probably be out of a job. But as I look around the room today, I think my job's secure because we're all a work in progress. Can I hear an amen? And he's patient, isn't he? And he's prepared to play the long game. And it's so amazing, like... I keep thinking when I sort this thing out of my life, I'll be cleaned up and okay, but somehow he reveals the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing. Titus 2, verse 11 and 12. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And then it's a comma, not a full stop, so we carry on. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in the present age. He wants us to change. Get rid of ungodliness and become more and more like him. Number three is strengthening grace. The grace of God that can come upon us to strengthen us. God's grace can make us stronger. God's grace enables us to 
persevere, endure, to press on, not to give up in difficult times. Strengthening grace. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7 to 9. This is the great Apostle Paul. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. But he, that's the good Lord, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. May I propose today that we all have a thorn. We all have thorns. We all have those things that cause us pain. And it's not just the Filipinos getting older with bone aches. Um, your pastor's over 50 now. And as, as I brew him an acceptable breakfast when you get over 50, it's kind of like, uh, what hurts today? Not what if. It, it, what, what's what's going to cause me some pain today? But we can have pain physically, but I also propose that emotional pain yeah. is far more painful. And then we have spiritual pain, because this was a thorn given uh, by Satan. I mean, the Apostle Paul's under a spiritual attack. Yeah. And God could take it away, but what does God say? No, I'm going to leave it there. My grace is sufficient for you. My strengthening grace will enable you to persevere and to push through. And what I love about the Apostle Paul is he doesn't spend the next seven verses talking about the thorn. Oh, you wouldn't believe what type it is. You wouldn't believe how long it is. You wouldn't believe how long I've had it there for. His grace is sufficient for us. So are we to be thorn-focused or grace-focused? If God is gracing us to, and strengthening us and enabling us to persevere, then can we focus on the ministry, our calling, the purposes of God that he has for our life? God's grace is sufficient for you. I just want to declare that. And I've experienced it so many times. And uh, a number of years ago when Lisa's dad, my father-in-law, was sick, it was a really tough, tough, horrible time seeing David sick and beginning to perish. But there was a grace upon David and the family. It wasn't nice, but there was a grace, a strengthening that came Upon us, and it wasn't nice on the sad day seeing David pass away, but again, there was a grace for us. And the next day, I was preaching and I was able to preach because of God's amazing grace. And then a few days after that, there was the funeral, and God's grace was there. God enables us to go through hard and difficult times because of a grace. That comes upon us. Can you turn to your neighbor right now and declare it over them? God's grace is sufficient for you. (laughs) 
You guys did that so well. Number four is a sharing grace. God graces us to give and to share our resources. Our God is a giving God. God's spirit is a generous spirit. And so God graces us to give. You know, true giving can hurt. It's not really giving unless it does hurt a little bit, does it? And what God can call us to do is to give away something that's precious to us, some resources, or something that's precious to everybody here in the room, money. God can begin to tap our heart. And I loved how Ruby said about Christmas and giving. And I just thought, oh, God, do you want me to give this Christmas to somebody? Are we open to areas of giving? Are we open to God tapping our heart, saying, I would like you to give this away? And we can be stubborn, and we can be selfish, and we can wrestle with God and say, God, I don't want to part with that. I don't want to give that up. I don't want to part with that money. And we can think of all the things that we could do with that money that we think belongs to us. But what actually happens if you have the courage to give where God is asking you to give, there will come to you an amazing joy, an amazing freedom. And you will not experience that amazing giving grace unless you've got the courage to step into it. Now, giving grace is far different from... Uh, well, I'll say it this way. Sharing grace is different from sharing wisdom. Sharing grace is where God asks you to give something away. This is sharing wisdom. You know, I'll, be at the, I'll go into the service station and maybe in the middle of the day to get the fuel and I'm like, oh, an ice cream would be good. This is sharing wisdom right here. Say Lisa's in the car. I don't want to share my ice cream. So I'll buy her one as well. And so either way I win, either, either way I have my whole ice cream to myself, or if she doesn't want one, even better, I have two. <laughs> that's sharing wisdom, that's not sharing grace. <laughs> sharing grace actually hurts, you actually have to give away something that you don't want to give away. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 1 and 2. Moreover, brethren... We make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abundant in the riches of their liberality. Instead of liberality, you could say freedom. Paul boasted about the Macedonians. They didn't have much. They were an impoverished people, but they pleaded with the Apostle Paul for the opportunity to give, and they gave over and beyond themselves. And they did it with joy. They did it with joy, and they done it with great freedom. And what this shows us is that there is joy and freedom on the other side of giving. And uh, you, you can experience Sharing grace, if you're prepared to step into it and be obedient to what God is calling you to give away. And I can still find the three-year 
child inside of me saying, mine. 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 No, Lord, it's mine. But he'll just keep tapping. And maybe he's tapping somebody today and he's been tapping your heart for a while. Hey, I want you to give something away. And as the old saying goes, God will get it to you if God can get it through you. Number five. This means it's the last one and we've made it. (laughs) Serving grace. 1 Peter 4 verse 10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You know, each one of us does have a gift and it's there for us to minister to others. And it's so that we can show the amazing grace of God to other people. You know, I've uh, served and I've served and I've served over many, many years. And uh, sometimes I've served out of obedience. Leaders will have asked me, can you do this particular role? And uh, if the grace of God isn't on you for that particular role, it can be very, very difficult. Oh, is it that night already? Oh, I've got to go out and I've got to do that. But then there's areas of our life where God has graced us to serve. And when we obey God and we serve in those areas, we feel so much energy and passion and excitement about serving Him. And that's what I call the sweet spot. And it's finding that place where God has graced you for that ministry and that calling. And and often we do have to serve in other areas to understand that God hasn't graced us for that, to understand that what God has graced us for. But God has, has a ministry for you. He has called you to serve other people And when you're serving in the right place, there is just this amazing enabling and an amazing grace that gives you energy to do what you do. Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I, that's the saving grace. I shared that scripture earlier. So we're saved by grace and not by works. But let me read on. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should, not, that, that we should walk in them. We are not saved by works, but we are saved to do good works. And God has a purpose for your life and God will grace you so that you can fulfill that purpose. And uh, I just think of uh, Julia and Glaudy. They're just graced for pastoral care. They love people and you catch up with Julia and she's just so excited about all the people she's met this week. And uh, people don't wear her out. They energize her because of the grace of God that is upon her life. And, and Jono, he's an amazing prayer and he, pray, prayer and he leads the intercession prayer. And uh, he, he, he never gets 
weary from praying because God has graced him as an intercessor. And then I look at Sarah and Amy and God has graced them to look after our little darlings in the church. Those little ones, you know, those high energy ones. There's an amazing grace on them to love the kids in the house. And Ruby and Mark, um, there's a grace on them to look after intermediate age and teenage kids. And I think about the complexities of kids these days, but there's just this amazing grace on them to love them and to understand them and to guide them. And Megan and Caitlin, mate, I, I get even I get tired just thinking about what they do in a week. Great big long lists. I mean, I have to go to bed. Oh, and they just plough through these lists, these to-do lists, and are energised from it. And David Bailey, graced for governance and for stewarding finances. And Grace is graced for cleaning this place. She cleans it up, and then the next week she comes in and she cleans it up again. And the week after that, and the week after that, and just an amazing grace for her to do that. Joseph and Arlene are grace to look after our beautiful Filipino people and Danby's grace to teach them and Bernie's grace to serve them. There's a grace for us. There's a grace on our worship leaders and God hasn't given me that grace just yet. There's a, there's a grace on our musicians and our incredible sound techs. Frank Bear, he's been doing sound for gosh, 15, 18, 20 years, and the grace is still on him to be able to do that. A grace on our baristas to make good coffee, and Andrea to make delicious food week after week after week. There's a grace on her with hospitality to serve people. And our service managers to serve, and the table just came up here for communion and the pulpit just came up for me to preach and uh, there's a grace on these people and these areas of their life. So God has a serving grace for you so that you can show the grace of God to others. God is love. God is merciful. God is gracious. It is our relationship with Jesus that allows the grace that he offers to be poured out, of, out over our lives again and again and again. So let's draw close to God this morning. As we draw close to God, we are drawing closer to grace. Whatever you are going through, whatever you need, God's grace is there and God's grace is sufficient for you. Amazing grace abundant grace so much grace that it can spill out over from your life to others can we stand to our feet this morning something I can say with confidence is here today we all need grace a characteristic of God's grace we need to stretch out and ask for it today saving grace if you never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour 
confessed with your mouth that He is Lord and believed in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you can reach out today. God's saving grace is there for you. Sanctifying grace. You know, God's touching your heart because He wants you to become more like Him.